Well, Happy New Year. I'm glad you're here this morning to, to begin that new year. Today I want to uh, speak to you this morning about something I think is very important. I want to ask you an important question to consider as we begin a new year together here as a church family, and I'm glad that we are able to actually include some visitors in this question this morning too, and I hope it encourages you. So before I do this, before I ask you the question to consider, why don't you pray with me so the Lord will prepare us to hear the answer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us this time to gather in Christ's name. We thank you for giving us what we truly don't deserve through his perfect life that he lived in our place and the death that he died instead of us to receive the penalty that we deserved so that we could now rise with him at the resurrection so that we could now sing your praise as those who have been purchased by your grace. So God, help us to keep that in mind every day as we enter into a new year. Help us to be thankful for the gospel. Help us to be reflectors of that gospel, I pray. I pray that this message helps us do that. I pray that you work through the weakness of preaching, through the power of your word and your spirit to reach the hearts of all who believe and to draw those who do not believe to faith in Christ. And I pray this all for the glory of Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as I said, I want you to consider what I think is an important question this new year. I want you to consider this question. What in the world is the church to do in 2017? What in the world is the church to do in 2017? Simply put, here's what I think the church is to do according to scriptures. I believe that the church is in the world to declare God's worth. That's why the church is in the world. And we are to declare God's worth, I think, in three particular ways. This will be an outline we'll use later, okay? I think the church is in the world to declare God's worth by, number one, equipping Christ's body carefully and proclaiming God's gospel faithfully and encouraging God's people personally. Three points. If I was to sum up those three points about why the church is in the world, I would say it's this. To spread God's fame evangelistically and declare God's greatness personally. Took it from three down to two, okay? To spread his fame evangelistically and declare his greatness personally. That's why we were left here after our conversion. That's why he didn't take you home immediately when he saved you. It is our mission to declare his great worth here on the earth as his people. That is why we are here. And, and listen, I realize that sounds, that sounds good and it sounds godly for me to say that. And you're all agreeing with me on that. I understand that you are. But you may be sitting here this morning saying, okay, Randy, it is good and godly what you just said, but um, where do I fit in? Where do I fit in? Or how do I contribute to this mission that we are called to go into as a church in 2017? You may be thinking, look, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm just a member. I'm just a dad. I'm just a mom. I'm just a student. I'm just a single person. I'm really not sure where or if I even fit into the church's mission. I'm just here, but I don't know what to do. At times, I think we're all tempted to think things like this. At times, I think you can be tempted to think that your role in the church is either so small that it's insignificant or it's so unclear that you don't even think that you're needed here at all. I think some of you have struggled with that feeling in the past, that thought in the past. And, and I want to focus in on one group in particular that I know for sure feels this way at times. And I'm going to address you again later, but let me just say this. There are some ladies in our congregation that feel this way. There are moms who sit here week after week and feel like it's a waste of time. Because they can't contribute. They can't participate. Because all they're doing is coming here and wrestling with their children. All they're doing is struggling 
to care for those babies. I want to tell you something. You are contributing to the mission of why the church is here in the world when you do that. You may be thinking that you only come here and go through the motions when you come to corporate worship, but there's much more going on. People are watching. People are learning. People are being edified by your very presence here. And I want you to know that. I know at times it can be very discouraging for moms when they have to fight with these children during the service, when they have to take them to the nursery constantly. You begin to feel disconnected, unwanted, unable to contribute to anything during your time here. You come, you wrestle, you leave, and you don't even know why you came. But listen, you came and you blessed us in your coming. We have seen something spectacular take place when you do these things. We have seen the love of Jesus made manifest through your sacrifice, through your obedience to your call. That calling reflects the love of Christ constantly. And we thank you for it. You fit into the church's mission in a very important way. And listen, guys, dads, there's a way that you fit into that mission, too. When your wives are struggling with the kids, this is an opportunity for you to apply Philippians 2 and consider your wife as more important than yourself here on a Sunday morning and take those little ones and help and serve her. That contributes to the mission in our church as well. It shows humility, as Ronnie taught this morning. And it's important that we understand all these things. And you moms in particular this morning, you're on my heart. I want you to know you are essential not just to the local church mission, but to the mission in the world that we are called to go into. Listen, when you, when you live this kind of life that sacrifices for the sake of your children, one day God will bring forth the fruit of that labor. And it will be people who come alongside us in this ministry and may be sent into the world through your faithfulness. You are ambassadors of Christ's love to this church, and we want you to know that, all you moms. I can't look at my wife. You just make me cry. Because she shows me this constantly. And I thank all of you for showing us that corporately. You show us this and it edifies us. Let me just say this. Even though it feels unrewarding when you do this week in and week out, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, understand this. In time, the Lord will bring forth fruit from all your labors. There's a passage that reminds us of that in Galatians. I'm not going to make you turn there. Just listen, because I'm paraphrasing it a little bit. Moms, listen to this. Don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season, Christ's church, we, will reap a great harvest if you don't give up. Ladies, we need you. You're a part of the mission. You're a part of the essential local mission and the global mission. Because you are raising up the next generation. You have the greatest influence on their lives over anyone else. And you're precious to us. That's what you're in the church and in the world to do. Because through this, this influence of the gospel, you are declaring God's great worth. And I want you to all understand that that is where you all fit into the body. Whether you're a mom or a dad or a single or a student your participation in this local congregation is essential. It's important to our global mission. We work together here so we can scatter and go there where God has called us individually. And I want you to know that every saint in this church is here by God's design, and you are important to his mission. It's not our mission. It's really his mission. You're important, and I know that because we see that in Scripture. In Corinthians, he tells us that God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Now, he can be talking about the church universal when he says this, but he's also talking about the church local when he says this. God has sovereignly placed you here. That means we need you. It means you have a place in which you can serve. You fit into the mission here in the world that God has called us into as a church. And I just want to reinforce that pastorally to you this morning. Ronnie talked on this 
um, Wednesday, and, and he's been going through Corinthians, and it helps us to see that. But here I want you just to be reminded corporately of these things, okay? And I want to try to remind you through those three points that I gave you earlier, okay? I want you to consider how each of you can contribute to God's mission in the world. So I'll go through these. I'm not going to repeat them. I'm just going to simply go point by point so you can follow along and write some of these things down. Think about some of these things practically today. First thing I want you to to look at with me is, number one, that the church, meaning in particular all the saints in this local body, okay, our church, is in the world to declare God's worth by, number one, being carefully equipped with God's word. You're here to be carefully trained to do the work of the ministry in the world. You come together locally here to fulfill God's global mission there. So being carefully equipped is essential to your place in the church. You have to be equipped so that you can go out and serve. And and this equipping, this careful equipping in God's word begins by being discipled corporately. Have you guys ever heard that phrase used? This is Discipleship 101, Sunday morning. That's why we're here. This is a corporate discipleship, and it's, it's given to you by God's design so that not that you can just come here and keep on being discipled, but so that you can go and disciple others personally. You're being discipled corporately so that you can go and disciple others personally according to what it says in Ephesians 4, 11. Look there with me. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. It's edifying the body. So you're being taught by these people that God's given you as a gift so that you could be trained to go do the work of the ministry and fulfill your role in the world. He says in verse 14, here's why, so that you would not no longer so that you would no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You're taught, you're equipped carefully here to protect you from being deceived when you go out there. But the whole intent is that you go. But just don't go foolishly. Don't go with an unprepared mind. So come here. That's your role. That's your place. That's why the church is here, is to train you, to equip you to go there. He says, rather, in verse 15, here's how you should go. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love you see this you come here to be discipled corporately so that you can know how to disciple one another personally for the purpose of fulfilling this maturing process in the church so you can go into the world with confidence and with joy And declare God's worth. That's why the church is in the world. That's why you need this teaching here on Sunday morning. On Wednesday nights. The church is in the world to point people to God, right? And the best way to learn how to do that is to come to God's authoritative, infallible, inerrant, inspired, all-sufficient word and learn from it. Because here in the word... You learn to magnify God's attributes, magnify God's love, his mercy, his authority, his grace. And you magnify that as you apply it in your lives, as you live it out personally. And the way you learn to do that is coming here corporately. We often want to get ahead of the the game here and say, let's just go do ministry. And then we find ourselves falling on our face, stumbling, struggling, discouraged because we're not being equipped first so god has designed the church to be in the world to equip the saints so you can go and you're equipped primarily here at sovereign grace through faithful expositional preaching and teaching of god's word so that you can do 
the ministry personally when you go into the world. I'm just reiterating this. I'm trying to compound this. I'm trying to bring this to a a final point so you understand. This gathering is like no other gathering in the world. It's equipping you to be God's people in the world. Faithfully strong in the faith. Joyful. Full of passion. Because of the things you're learning. That's why we take... Go with me me to 2 Timothy. That's why we take 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 5, so seriously here at Sovereign Grace. That's why we don't preach from the message. That's why we don't preach from articles that we read. We preach from the Word of God. That's our calling because it's the Word of God that can penetrate the hearts of men. It can sanctify the church. It can save sinners. So that's why we take this so seriously when we come here to teach you, to train you, to labor with you. We want you to be equipped with the greatest tools so you can go into the world for the glory of God. And the greatest tool is right before you. 2 Timothy 4, 1 says, I charge you In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, speaking to Timothy, we can apply this to the church in some sense. Always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You can't fulfill your ministry until you're equipped. And God has designed you to be in the church, to be equipped through his word, being preached, being explained, expounded. So that you can make it clear when you go into the world and declare this in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus for his praise. That's, that's really, when you look at this passage in particular, this is your pastor's mission. This is our commission here. It's to preach like this, teach like this, to clearly communicate God's word to you so that you would be equipped to magnify God individually. We want you to be able to go into the world. We want you to be able to go out there and make disciples as you are trained in the word. Listen, I I know that a lot of times people have thought of the church in this way. You bring your unsaved friends to the church and let them be discipled here just corporately. And here's the reality. That's not God's design. His design is for you to go into the world equipped in the word. Interact with unbelievers. Teach them, train them, guide them to Christ through the word that you're being taught when you come here to be discipled. I pray that as as we seek to try to faithfully do this here, to teach you here, that you will be equipped to do that. I pray that you will be equipped as you should be equipped as missionaries here in this world. Understand that you are all missionaries. If you're a Christian, you are given a commission to go into the world and preach the gospel. And you need to be equipped to do it. And here's your pastor's mission. Here's our mission as elders here. Our mission is to disciple disciple makers. That is our mission. It's that way because that's God's best plan to reach the lost. He wants people to be able to go out there and to accurately handle the word of truth to bring him the most praise possible understand mission is not ultimate worship is ultimate as john piper would say we're training you to worship jesus faithfully so you can declare his worth when you go into the world we want you to be able to do what it says in first peter three fifteen. go there with me i want you to understand something about first peter three fifteen. Verse 15 is here so that you can see the purpose of your equipping. And listen, the purpose of your equipping here on Sunday and Wednesday, the purpose of your discipleship here is worship. It's not just to give a winning argument. That's not the purpose of this passage. Look what it says. 
talking about those who are suffering for setting Christ apart as Lord in their life. Here's what he says in verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. You see that word, the hope, the phrase, the hope? He's talking about, we want you to be prepared to give a reason for this hope. This hope that you're declaring when you, when you proclaim it is as biblical as you proclaim it, what scripture says is your hope. That's an act of worship. Understand that. We want you to be able to give a defense to magnify Jesus. That's the purpose. We want you to be able to know the word so well that when someone asks you, why do you do these things over here? Why do you sacrifice for the church? Why do you go after people who are hurting and, and willingly give away your goods and your time? Why do you do all these things? We want you to be able to tell them why biblically to make much of Christ. That's really your calling to be equipped. You're calling to be equipped to make much of Jesus. That's why we're here weekly, growing in God's word. We want to help you do that. We want to help you honor Jesus as Lord of your life so that you can be prepared to evangelize and make disciples, right, through your personal witness here in the world. That's the first reason the church is in the world. We are here to gather together and grow and be equipped in God's word so that we can go into the world. So secondly, secondly, the church is in the world to declare God's worth by being faithful witnesses to the world. We're here in the world to declare God's worth by becoming faithful witnesses to the world like the Thessalonians were in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. 1 Thessalonians 4 through 10. We want to see you declare God's worth in this way in particular. This is why you are here in the world still today by God's design. Verse 4 says, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Here's why. Here's how the, the reality of their salvation was made manifest. Because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And then it says this, verse 6, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you repented, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait in faith, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Do you notice some of the things that stand out in this? The church here in Thessalonica understood that they were there to declare God's worth in the world as witnesses. And, and they did it faithfully and they did it joyfully. Faithfully in the sense that they heard it and they accurately conveyed it to others. And they did it passionately. They couldn't stop. It didn't stop in Macedonia. It didn't stop in Achaia. Their witness began to be something that permeated the entire region. People gave witness of their witness to the Apostle Paul. They were faithful to declare God's worth in the world through this. They were faithful to declare what they had learned joyfully and faithfully for God's praise. And that's our prayer for you, that you understand that in 2017. We pray that as you grow in the knowledge of Christ here in our church, you will be motivated like this to faithfully and joyfully share the gospel with others, as the Thessalonians did. I always think about evangelism 
And sometimes we do formal evangelism. We go out, we, we plan a date and a time and a place, and we go out on the street or we go to the neighbors or we, we do an outreach of some type, and, and that's fantastic. But the majority of your evangelism will take place in your personal interaction with people you see every day. And if they don't see you entering into that joyfully and handling the word faithfully, they're going to discount you real quick. Now, by God's design, you've been placed wherever you are in life so that you can actually go to the lost around you as a beacon of light. And so there's hope. This crummy life, this crummy last year, it's going to pass, but there is something great restored by God's grace for those who believe in the future. I pray that as you grow in the truth, you'll have that sort of desire to go to the lost that you deal with day in and day out. Anybody here work with unbelievers? I've got one unbeliever that I work with. He's under the age of seven. But other than that, in my family, I don't have a whole lot of unbelievers to deal with in my workplace. But when I have customers who come into my shop, God opens the door for me to joyfully give a reason for the hope that lies within me and tell them about why my business exists. Tell them why I'm concerned about doing a good job in my work for them. God uses that joy and that faithful presentation to magnify Jesus. Understand this. Evangelism, your, your faithful witness to the world, is much more about worshiping Jesus than it is in converting sinners. You can't convert them. But you can be faithful to worship Jesus as you share it with them. He is honored in that. We can't make them decide for Christ. They have a stone-dead heart. Only Christ can give it life. But he has ordained the end and the means to the end. And the means would be us preaching faithfully the glorious gospel of Christ. And I think we need to be doing it joyfully, passionately, as they did. And also as this preacher some of you might have heard of did, this guy named Charles Spurgeon. I think that as we grow in the truth, as Spurgeon grew in the truth, we should feel what Spurgeon felt when it came to doing evangelism. Listen to what Spurgeon said. Here's why you do evangelism. By the love and wounds and death of Christ, by your own salvation, by your indebtedness to Jesus, by the terrible condition of the heathen, and by that awful hell whose yawning mouth is before them, Ought you not to say, here am I, send me? Ought we not to say that? When you consider all these things, the wounds of Christ that brought you salvation, your very redemption, though you were unworthy of it, is now yours eternally because of Christ. Your indebtedness is to him. Your very life and being and soul. And there are people around you who are perishing and they're not worshiping Jesus. And you have been given the glorious gospel to share it with them, to make much of him so they can worship Jesus and be saved. How could we not say, here am I, send me? Just look at 2 Corinthians with me for a second and ask yourself that. Why, why don't I? Get as excited as the Thessalonians did, the Apostle Paul did. As Paul shares over and over again for us in Scripture, but even people like Spurgeon, am I not that excited? Shouldn't I be that excited? When I read 2 Corinthians 5.20, I get excited like this. I know who I was before Christ saved me. I did not forget that when he saved me. Matter of fact, my flesh comes back to remind me often of who I was in my sin. And every time that happens, and every time I consider that, I am utterly amazed by God's grace for me. I am astounded by his saving love for me. But what blows my mind even more than that is he has not only saved me, he's mercied me, he's graced me, he's loved me. He's actually, in light of even who I was before I knew him, he's actually now called me and you to be his messengers, to be his representatives. Even in all of our failures, all of our faults, he's called us to do this because of his grace. 
What can we testify to in all that? Can we tell people about the gospel as ambassadors, which I'll read here in a second? We're telling them, I am a wretched sinner, but I know a glorious Savior. There's hope for you. There is hope for you. He not only saved me, he's called me into ministry. Every one of you are called into ministry if you're born again. And this is what you get to proclaim. Verse 20. Therefore, speaking about how we are saved by God's doing, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore or beg you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. That's your message. When you consider the glory of this message, this gospel, how can you keep that in? Think about this. We beg people. To come to Christ. To see his greatness. And then we testify to them. Here's how great his grace is. The one who knew no sin. Took my place on a cross. To receive the penalty of my sin. And his life was so great and so righteous. That it was now imputed to those who by God's grace have received that. And we can walk in newness of life. We can actually have eternal life because God cursed his son instead of us and gave us the riches of his son as a gift of his grace. We don't deserve it. We can't achieve it. We don't buy it. It doesn't come through church attendance. It comes truly by the hand of God's grace to us. We receive it even after shaking our clenched fist. He opens our hand to give us the gift. That's the message that we are here in the world to proclaim, to declare. Saints, you're placed in Christ's body and in this local church in particular for this very purpose, to proclaim the gospel, to learn, be equipped to do it, and then go do it faithfully as Christ's ambassadors. That is the greatest way in which you can declare God's worth in the world. There is no other way to worship God any greater than this. Tell of his wondrous works in Christ. That is worship. So listen, if you're here and you're still not sure, where do I fit in? Well, this this should help clear that up. I want you to understand if you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a single, you're a grandparent, a student, this is where you fit in to God's mission. You may not be a pastor, and that's okay. But you are a faithful witness, and that's glorious. God will use that in ways that he may not even use your pastor's ministry. You may reach farther than your pastors ever will into this world to declare God's greatness. You may not be preaching and teaching masses of people every week. Neither are we really not masses anyway. But you may be the one that God has ordained before the foundation of the world to bring the hope of the gospel to people who would never step foot in this building. You may be the one. Isn't that exciting? Just think about this. I mean, just, I don't know what heaven's going to be like fully. I mean, we, we have the scriptural reference. But I often think about the personal side of heaven, and I think, you know, in heaven, we're not going to be wondering whether or not we fit into the church. We're going to know clearly at that time And I think we're going to be surprised by God's grace that called us into the church over and over again in heaven. I think at times we may even see people whom we have witnessed to, but never saw the fruit of that ministry take root in our lifetime. We may see them in glory. And they say, God used you as an instrument to give him praise. And he used that to bring me salvation. You have that honor. That's why you're in the world, is to honor Christ, to glorify God, to declare his worth through evangelism, through your faithful witness. Let me, let me go a little further into where you fit in. As I mentioned earlier, if you are a mom, 
or a dad. Let me put it this way. If you're wondering on a Sunday when you come here with your kids and you leave totally exhausted, all right, and you didn't hear half the things that Ronnie or Justin or Nate or myself or anyone says, and you wonder, I'm not sure, you know, that this is getting through to me. I'm not sure that I'm actually functioning where I ought to be in the church. I'm not sure that I'm even a good, good witness, you know, at all in the world because I'm, I'm not able to go with the church and do this and do that and all these different ministries. Let me just say this to you. If you're that kind of weary parent this morning, do not diminish the importance of your part in God's mission when it comes to evangelism. Look, you may be raising the next pastor. You may be raising the next missionary that this world rejoices over. Even better than that, you might be raising the next generation of gospel-driven parents who will reveal God's glory to the world as they raise their families through the mundane things in life. And teach them that mundane thing can be done for the glory of God. And their children come to faith in Christ because you are a faithful witness in your home. Just try to remember that here on a Sunday morning when you faithfully wrestle with your kids. They climb all over you and they cry and they fuss. You take them out and you spank them. You bring them back in you spank them again. Just remember that. And remember this. You are the greatest evangelist in their life. You are with them day in and day out, joyfully proclaiming your love for Jesus in the way you care for them. But don't neglect declaring it to them. See, it's not enough to do works evangelism. In other words, I'll do good things, show people I'm a good hard worker, love them, I'll love them in all kinds of special ways, and they'll know I love Jesus. No, that's good that you do that, but it's better that you tell them why you do that. It's better that you tell them why you fail in doing that, and you come back to God's grace that has forgiven you in that. God's chosen you to do that as parents. No matter how weary you are here on a Sunday morning, don't forget that. He chose you to be the missionaries to the next generation. That's the hope of Psalm 78. Look with me there. Psalm 78. Parents, this is your hope here. As you struggle to be discipled, as you come to hear the truth and grow in the truth, and then you go home and you wonder who you're going to disciple, this is who you're going to disciple. This is who you're going to evangelize. And there's hope in this. Because God works through the means to achieve his end, which is glory. Verse 5. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. And he commanded our fathers to teach their children, dads, this falls primarily on you to do this in two ways. Spending time with your kids and washing your wives in the word because she spends more time with them than you do. Raise them and tell them, right? He says, teach your children. Verse 6, here's why. That the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and forget not the works of God, but keep his commandments. This is what your hope is. As you are missionaries to your children, as you evangelize and love your closest neighbor, you have hope in this. God has sovereignly given you children, and you're a believer. I'm not saying that means your kids are going to be believers. But there's a lot of hope in it, because God's also sovereignly chosen to work through the preaching of the word to regenerate the heart. And your role is to be the preacher of the word in your home, hoping in God to use his means to achieve his ends and praying for that daily. Do you pray with your kids? Listen, I know it's good that we teach our kids to pray, teach them prayers, but do you pray with your kids? 
Do you pray with them about their salvation as they're little, tiny things? Do you share the gospel in your prayer? Do you talk to them when they rise up, when they lie down? I mean, think about how often you have opportunity to fulfill your role in the world at home. Don't neglect it. Don't forget how important it is. All of us as Christians have that great privilege. God has bestowed on all of us the greatest blessing in this world when he gave us the gospel and made us his ambassadors. Whether you're a parent or a single or a student, understand this. You are all bearers, bearers of God's word. You are God's chosen ambassadors to the world. And remember this. Remember the power of the word that you carry within you. How powerful is the word of God? How powerful was it in your life when God quickened your heart, gave you faith and repentance to believe upon him? It was sovereignly powerful, all powerful, omnipotent power is in this gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation that you carry in your bosom. Each of you carry that within you. You have the life-giving words of God. How could you not share them? How could we not be excited about sharing them? Now, I realize there are days that it's not as exciting as others. When your boss is a jerk, when your spouse is bitter. But nonetheless, life is not about you. It's about Christ. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard. Dying to self, not easy. I don't want to do it. It's a struggle. I want things my way. I mean, everything on TV tells me I ought to get it my way, right? I deserve all these pleasures in life. No, I don't. When I consider what I deserve and what I've been given, it makes me very thankful, even in the difficult times. I don't deserve to have a family. I don't deserve to be born again. God's given those to me as a gift. Even when the family life isn't great or when life in general isn't great, it's more than I deserve. Understand this, for the Christian, as bad as it gets here, it's as close as you're going to get to hell. For the unbeliever, this is as good as it's going to get for them. This is the closest to heaven they'll ever come. You have the words of life to carry to them. So don't underestimate how important you are in God's mission here on earth. Don't ever think that you're unimportant to our church either. Because you are witnesses of his grace to the world. But not only to the world. Listen, you are witnesses of his grace in the church. Your faithful witness doesn't just reach the lost savingly by God's design. It also encourages Christians in this local church. Listen, you have no idea how often your faithfulness encourages your pastors, especially when we are discouraged in our work. And I'll say this, especially tomorrow morning for me, when I consider what I've preached. Ronnie knows what I'm talking about. Your faithfulness encourages us in our work because it tells us what we're doing is not in vain. Even though we fall short of what we ought to be doing, when you, when you share with us how you were able to witness to other people because of the things that you've been learning in the church, that is exciting to us. We need to know that. Because there's sometimes you're just going on Monday, wow, I burned up an hour of their time. I'm not really not sure that was productive. Listen, sometimes you rescue your pastors from giving up. Understand how important you are. Understand that. You rescue us sometimes when you share your personal testimonies. When you share with us how much you hunger and thirst for righteousness and the word of God. And then in that you serve as a great reminder that our work is not being done in vain. You are important in the church. You are reminders of God's grace to the lost and to your brothers and sisters in the pew. We thank you for that. But I want you to understand how important it is. You have a personal work here 
And that leads me to my third point. The churches in the world to declare God's worth by being personal encouragers of Christ's body, according to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. I'm going to get very practical in some of this. So listen. Um, Verse 11. You declare God's worth. That's why you're here in the world. And you do that by being personal encouragers of Christ's body. That's your role in the church. Verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build up. It's edify uh, one another. Build up one another. Just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Now look in particular at verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, that's the church, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Understand something here. That's not instructions to the pastors in particular. Those are instructions to the congregation in particular of which the pastors are leading. He's saying you are to be personal encouragers in the body of Christ. That is an essential part of our mission in the world. We must be doing this. We need to be doing this better at our church. We need to understand what Paul understood when he wrote to the Thessalonians. He understood that they were really suffering. They were really in need of this kind of admonishment and encouragement and help and patience. I like the last part of verse 14. Be patient with all. There are some people who will wear your patience out. But we're not given the privilege of saying, I've done it so many times, I'm not going to do it again. We're commissioned, commanded, as part of our role in the church, to do this continually. And it has to be done personally. These, These verses make no sense whatsoever if we're just talking about gathering on a Sunday morning to hear preachings. Basically, a sermon for an hour. You can't do verse 14 in a sermon. You do verse 14 one-on-one, personally. This goes back to the first point that I made about being equipped in the Word so you can live it out in the world. Well, you live it out also in your life in the church, personally. We need personal interaction and personal edification if we're really going to fulfill this mission that God has sent us into here in the world. Here's why. Applying personal encouragement is how you fulfill our local work, our local mission. And personal encouragement in the local church is then essential to our global or God's global mission. And here's why. Because here in the church, through the word being preached and taught, you are being brought into unity, and you're being brought into conformity to Christ, and you're being knit together in the love of Christ personally, As all these things happen, so that you can live it out here as a family and spur one another on to good works when they go into the world evangelistically. Look what Colossians says. I'm trying to hurry. Colossians 3. I want to personally encourage you in this. I want you to think about this practically. I always love Colossians 3 because it tells me that the church at Colossae was not perfect or these commands wouldn't have came. And it also tells me that our church isn't perfect because these commands are needed. Look what it says in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together together. In perfect harmony. That's what connects everything together, he says. And let the peace of Christ umpire your hearts, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to 
God. Listen, verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If it's dwelling in you richly, the, the things you're being taught, it's going to be manifested richly in the things that you're doing in fellowship together. The things that you're applying These commands here in this passage imply close interaction so that the gospel that declares God's great worth can be seen in action. See, this this is why this makes sense. This is why this is important to our global mission. It's here that we're practicing proclaiming God's greatness in the congregation. We're putting the gospel on display in our care for one another personally. That's what reveals the love of Jesus to the world evangelistically. And that's an act of worship when we do this. When you care for one another personally, you're caring for someone for whom Christ died. Does Jesus love the Christian beside you? Yes. How much should you love them? How much did Jesus invest in the Christian beside you? Everything. How much should we invest? Everything. Are we a family? Are we just people who come to church on Sunday? We have to think about this. I want us to be effective in our mission here in the world. But we can't do that without personal encouragement. I think think we need to be a place where we can come and encourage each other intimately, closely. You can't do that unless you spend time with each other personally. You need to be a church family They can come to one another and say, here's a a fear that I have. Here's a doubt that I have. Here's a scar that I have because of my own stupidity. And not feel condemned by the person you're coming to. But you can come to them and say, here are my faults. Here are my failures. Help me. And the person will look at you and say, I know about these things. I experienced them too. And let me tell you about Christ's victory. Not condemn you. Not condemn console in the sense of just, oh, yeah, you poor guy, but actually edify and admonish and correct where necessary in love because that magnifies the work of Christ in your life. So I want us to be that kind of place. I want us to understand that's part of our role here in the world. That's why we're here together. And I believe all three of those points that I've given you are essential to the mission that God's given us. But I think the third point is the golden thread that holds our mission together. I think it's that way because of what it says in John 13. I think that the golden thread of personal encouragement is the thread that holds everything together in our mission because it's what Jesus said would testify to the world that we are his disciples, his learners. John 13, 34 Jesus writes, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. Wow. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Why, Jesus? I know it's good to do that. I know it's nice to do that, but why? Well, to declare his great worth in the world. Verse 35, by this all people will know that you are my learners disciples if you have love for one another our our love displays Christ's worth it displays the power of his word and that's why we're here in the world to make much of him personal encouragements that we give to each other leads to Christ's exaltation here on the earth and we've got to learn to cultivate that here's why we keep gathering here weekly and being equipped in the word and learning how to proclaim the word but never knit together in love in the word practically personally we will be a very theologically astute church that's a disconnected body it will not function in the world in the way in which god has designed it and listen the world will see it if we come here and we learn all these things that we don't get connected we can't fulfill ultimately the mission We are given throughout Scripture, which is to declare God's praise as one body with one voice. Look at Romans 15. Romans 15, verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live. This is talking about personal interaction. 
in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus. Okay, in accord with Christ Jesus has to do with the doctrine of Christ, the things you're learning. That together you may with one voice magnify, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Church, if, if personal encouragement is weak in our church, the full joy of God's mission will be weak in our church. We won't experience the joy that he intends for us to have as we labor together as Christ's body. Our mission is to make much of him personally, evangelistically, corporately. And we can't do that. We can't do that without this one thread, personal encouragement. I will get weary. I will get tired. I will give up. But your faithfulness, your reminders of God's grace spur me on to do good works. There are some Sundays that your pastors want to be here about as much as you do. Okay? It's hard sometimes because we're weak. But when we get here and we see one, two, three, four, all these souls walking in for whom Christ died, we are given strength to continue on in the faith. Your love does that. Your love powerfully reveals the greatness of God's love locally here, especially when we see you come like that and then go and spend time and sacrifice for one another in personal ways, that encourages our hearts as your pastors. Just as it's encouraging to see your kids grow, this encourages your pastors as we see you grow in applying the truth. And as you do this, as you grow in how to reveal God's great truths locally, you're going to grow in the way in which you carry out this mission globally. So I want you to know that each of you are essential to the local and global mission of our church. That's why we are here in the world is to make much of God through the church. That's what Paul prays for in Ephesians 3. Let me end with this. Ephesians 3. It's kind of been a reminder again of how essential the church is in the world, how and why the church is in the world and what we are to do. Ephesians 3 helps us to see that. And I want you to see that this morning because I want you to understand that this is why we are here in 2017 in Ada, Oklahoma. And this is why we will be here as long as the Lord allows us from now on. And every year, this is our purpose. Look what it says, verse 14. He says, this is his prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here's why. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Church, that's what the church is in the world to do. And you are an essential part of that. And we want you to know that. I want you to move forward knowing and applying these things in your life for the glory of Christ. Lord Jesus, you are worthy of all of our work and all of our labors. But Lord, it is a joy to know that you have placed us in the world to do this. To labor and to love and to give ourselves away in such a way that would be obvious that we belong to you, Jesus, so that your name is praised through our labors. That's what we want, Lord. That's what we desire as a church. God, you are worthy, and we want the world to know it. We want the world to hear it. 
proclaim through the church. God, help us to be faithful in our mission. Help us to keep focused on our mission so that your, your greatness and your grace are illustrated through the life of those whom you've saved. Jesus, we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for the time we have on earth. We pray that we would number our days and consider how to use them for your honor and glory. I pray. Amen.